Amanda Guest, and I founded BFF.FM because I believe in the power of community radio to change the music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Um, I don't have a script in front of me. You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I am your host, Lily Sloan. I'm a psychotherapist in San Francisco, California. Um, and I, uh, every week, bring, bring you guests. I answer your listener life questions, and we talk about the intersection of psychotherapy, personal growth, and activism. Really excited for today's guest, and I'll introduce him in a little bit. But first, as always, let's take a moment to just check in with ourselves. So if you haven't done this before, it's pretty simple. If you're able, if you're in a, if you're in a situation where this is an option for you, just step back from what you're doing. You can step back physically or mentally or both. Just give yourself a moment to notice where you are physically, emotionally. Notice what your brain is doing. It's not really getting getting hung up on specific thoughts and stories. That's just what our brains do. It's how they function. But noticing from outside of that, if you can, what's happening, kind of bringing an observational lens. Sometimes the clearest thing we can do is focus on our breath. Each minuscule step of that inhalation and exhalation. All the parts we miss when we're just going about our lives, not thinking about it. Just remember you can do this throughout your day. You can pause for a minute or two. Most things aren't so urgent that you can't do that. 
like I said, I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, who among many things that we will get to is also a musician. And so we're going to play one of the songs from his band, new single by Olokun. I hope I pronounced that right, but I'll check after the song is over. <laughs> and the song is called, called World. You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. Keep listening.
You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. I'm Lily Sloan, and I am here with my special guest, Butterfly Williams. So glad to be here, Lily. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, so we just heard World by Olukun. Mm-hmm. Did I say it right that you time? You did. Okay, cool. Um, that's your band. Yes, yes. <clears throat> And your band consists of? Uh, me, Butterfly Williams. I'm the singer and lyricist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my good buddy and bandmate, music producer Winston Berger. Oh. So we are a psychedelic art pop duo. I love, oh, you've got a good elevator pitch. <laughs> I'm always like, uh, people are like, oh, what kind of music do you make? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was really good. That was really solid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many different genres, you know, out there these days. And there's like genres within genres. Yeah. But um, yeah, Winston and I, you know, met in art school. And oh, cool. um, he was the guitarist for my uh, MFA show. Uh, blood is mere decoration. Bl- blood is a mere decoration. Blood is mere decoration. Blood is mere decoration. Right, right. Oof. And uh, yeah, exactly. The the show was kind of <laughs> woof. Uh, it, it was a one man show about mass incarceration. Oh wow! Yeah, and I was yeah. combining a, lots of different things. Uh, you know, uh, interactive ritual, buto dance, uh, both original and cover songs for which Win- Winston was the the guitarist. Uh, yeah, video. Um, you know, as well, mm. uh, collaborated with a man by the name of Kenny Johnson, who had spent, uh, I think, 27 years, like at, at every l- level of the of the the penal system. Wow! Uh, but then turned his life around through the power of meditation. Mm. He met a spiritual teacher uh, while he was in prison, and uh, you know, he was able to get his act together. And wow. and uh, today, he's a professional meditation teacher. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you're here on the show today. But before we move on to the other things that that are part of your life, um, I I just want to ask, you know, what that song means to you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it, it means so many things. Um, You know, I've been going around saying that the song is, um, well, first of all, I just want to say, you know, as an artist, I I do feel like my job is to create the stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, not so much to interpret it. (laughs) And so I always feel really nervous, you know, talking about the stuff because I don't want to, you know, um, uh, close off, you know, the the listener's ability to kind of generate their own meetings, you know, for, for the song. Right. But, yeah. uh, you know, I will say, especially because um, our band stuff is, it's really layered, it's very dense, uh, lots of different topics, uh, you know, are, we take on lots of different issues, um, you know, in, in the songs. Uh, I will say, I've, I've been going around saying that this song is about what, what happens when climate change and class warfare meets the divine feminine. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's some of the themes, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we're taking on. But I, I'm sure there's lots of other stuff that's going on in that song as, as, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was it, 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 it's a very interesting song for me because the um, it, it was a very different uh, 
way of approaching the music that that Winston and I took for this particular song. Uh, usually I'll come in with like, you know, lyrics and a melody kind of preformed. Yeah. Uh, and then he, you know, uh, builds something around it. Uh, and then it's amazing because what, what Winston in, ends up doing with it just completely transforms, mm -hmm. you know, what I thought was going to be going on totally. with the song. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, in this case, though, uh, Winston had already composed the the the, the music oh. um, a while ago. Yeah. So then I was faced with the challenge of, you know, having to generate, you know, lyrics uh, and, and all of that uh, in response to what was already there. It's a really different feeling to it, do that. Yeah, yeah, very different. And it was it was, um, you know, in my opinion, it, it turned out quite nicely because the, the, the song does feel integrated, mm -hmm. um, you know, even yeah. though. Uh, you know, some of the composition part, the, the different composition parts of it, you know, were kind of, you know, re really separate. Um, so, um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, it, it was an interesting artistic challenge. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, happy, you know, with, yeah. with how it came out. Uh, and it was nice to uh, kind of be put in the other, the other position, having to respond, you know, right. rather than, than, than initiate. Right. And oh. yeah, exactly, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot uh, to be said, you know, yeah. about, uh, you know, about that. <laughs> well, um, there was also something you said, you were like, oh, well, there's kind of this element of climate change and, you know, all the injustices in the world meeting the defined feminine. I'm sure there's other things going on in there, but I don't know. And that statement, I'm sure there's other things going on there, but I don't know. Uh, you, you know, you, as far as I know from the bio you sent me, you are in, you're, you're studying psychology at Saybrook, yes. Saybrook University. You're finishing a PhD. Is that right? Exactly. And what, and you're influenced by Jungian psychology. Yeah. And, and by saying, I'm sure, I'm sure there's more going on there, but I don't know. That's like that acknowledgement that we don't always even know what we're what things were kind of churning and right. processing both in individually and collectively. Right. You know, like what what's getting worked out through this these lyrics and this music that I, exactly. I'm, that's, I'm not even conscious of. Right, right. Even though I wrote these lyrics. Yeah, know? I was also trying to experiment with being a bit more um, poetic and, mm -hmm. and kind of vague, mm -hmm. you know, and, and mm -hmm. mysterious with, with the lyrics in this one. Because a lot of my lyrics tend to be pretty direct and you pretty much know what the song is quote unquote <laughs> about. Yeah. Uh, this one, I was like, no, it needs to be more... Um, fluid free free for me um mm. you know I, I i you know i want the listener to be able to kind of latch onto various elements and kind of generate their own you know narratives mm -hmm. um you know around it uh in terms of there being a lot going on uh in terms of my own influences um carl jung is one, one of my influences yeah but i'm also heavily influenced by france fanon who, who's who a, i don't know yeah 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 when there's uh, reasons you don't know about him uh oh. he was a, a caribbean psychologist who uh kind of kicked off the decolonization movement that's why i don't know about him yeah, he, yeah the system doesn't want you to know about man. him exactly <laughs> Goddamn system! Right, right. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, there would be a lot of reasons you don't necessarily know about, you know, uh, France Fanon. Uh, you know, I, I feel I'm very much interested in what um, black psychologists, you know, in general, um, you know, are, are doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I identify as African-American. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, 
<laughs> oddly enough, you, you don't readily get access to what black psychologists, you know, ha have written. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, and there's so many layers to that, right? Like, A, there's less black psychologists right. than white ones. And then the because of barriers to entry and all kinds of issues. And then on top of that, it's hard to get access to the work of the ones that there are. Right. Because of same set issues. Right, right. Um, the, uh, well, you know, structural racism. I, I mean, you know. <laughs> that, that, that thing. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, not everyone wants you to know what black people are, are thinking, you know, and, and feeling. Yeah. Uh, and then when society does decide that, well, okay, it's okay for black people to appear, you know, in certain forms, uh, that tends to be very heavily, you know, regulated. Uh -huh. uh, right. So, so for instance, like, you know, commercial rap, I, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's a very certain kind of discourse and you're expected to conform to, you know, certain kinds of themes and, and styles, da, 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 da. Uh, and then it's very interesting how, you know, society will kind of seize on that as being, mm -hmm. you know, the definitive, uh, you know, representation, you know, of, of, of blackness. Right. Uh, but then, you know, the, the flip side of it is sort of phenomena like Hamilton, <laughs> 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 which is a very, very interesting, you know, cultural artifact there. Incredibly, you know, successful. I still haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had the pleasure a couple of months back. It's, it's definitely worth seeing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely want to give, you know, props to Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's, it's an incredible work of art. Mm. On the other hand, <laughs> you know, what, what does it mean to have, uh, you know, what, dozens of companies worldwide of, of people of color uh, singing and dancing the praises of Alexander Hamilton, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, the backbone of, you know, the American capitalist uh, system, the, right. the author of the Federalist Papers, which are a cornerstone of conservative, you know, I ideology. Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's very interesting how um, society determines on what terms, you know, black people will be able to, you know, do their thing. Yeah. 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 Right. So, okay. So I think, I think right now it might be good to do kind of a review of all of, of the multiple facets that you've got going on here. So there you're, you're an artist, musician, you're a performance artist, you are getting your PhD in psychology at Saybrook Institute. You also, uh, did you found or you co-founded or you're running Urban Healers? No, no, no. I'm not running it. You, okay, <laughs> you're, part, you're part of. I'm part, I'm part of uh, 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 a group of um, uh, men in Oakland who do monthly interactive rituals uh, mm -hmm. to initiate men into healthy masculinity. Uh, and so our, our director is a wonderful man by the name of Jewel Love. Okay. Uh, and uh, there's about six of us mm. uh, that wow. yeah that that uh, or organize these events. Uh, in fact, we just had one this past weekend. Uh, it was organized by um, Michael Ansa, who is a Ghanaian American uh, who's been living in the United States for the last you know 29 years, mm. uh, and he has a big passion for embodiment. So mm. the entire workshop was about uh, movement um, and theater. Uh, and using that to um, uh, express personal elements of what it means to c come to terms with being other, 
mm-hmm. you know, as a man, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this society. So it definitely spoke uh, a lot to, you know, themes of I- I- immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. there are many, many ways in which uh, men, yes, even men <laughs> can feel, you know, othered yeah. uh, in, in this society. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it seems like a, like I was telling you before the show started that many of many of the men that I know who are doing you know men's work like right. and I and to be differentiated from MRAs men's rights activists oh yes right yes <laughs> who are like let me help you you know be more of a man you know but right. like but the men who I know who are therapists who are doing groups and and doing good work with 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 men around issues of masculinity and toxic masculinity and the the kinds of pain points around that and right. how to come to a healthier place um, have been cis straight white men, right. which is fine. They're wonderful people <laughs> who are doing good work, but I know you're coming at it from a different place. Right. And like, yeah, cis straight white men aren't the only men. Right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, Ur- Urban Healers was not necessarily designed to, um, y- you know, exclude white men. It mm-hmm. just so happened that, you know, when uh, Jewel, uh, uh, you know, went around, you know, asking, you know, his, his, you know, his, his circle, uh, you know, to volunteer and, you know, commit to doing a certain kind of work. It just so happened uh, that we were... Um, uh, you know, primarily black and uh, Latinx. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and many of our events, you know, are open to white men. Uh, we do target our events to specific, you know, subsets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of the men's community. Uh, for instance, I did a ritual back in July called the Alchemy of Manhood, a celebration of healthy masculinity for same gender loving GBTQ black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just wanted to work very specifically, uh, you know, with, with that community. Uh, so that happened to be, you know, only, you know, for, for men who fit that particular um, identity. Yeah. But, you know, we had men from all racial backgrounds in, in the in the workshop, uh, uh, you know, this past Sunday. Mm. Um, but yes, you know, intersectionality, mm-hmm. that is the key word here. Yeah. The, this is the name of the game. And we talk about that a lot with intersectional feminism. Um, but it doesn't, I don't feel like it gets, it's as big of a part of the conversation with intersectional uh Men's. Men's. Right. Yes. Well. um, Men's work, I guess. Right, right, right. Um, Certainly, you know, it it, it ought to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we know from, uh, you know, black feminism that black men have work to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Black women have always been uh, central and critical, you know, to the survival of, of, you know, black people uh, in the United States. You know, I mean, honestly, to the survival of all of us. Right, right. Absolutely. Just look at the election. Oh, right, right. <laughs> multiple elections. Right, right. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, ur- ur- you know, ur- urban healers um, has been um, really, you know, trying to, you know, more than coming to grips with these issues because this is not just an intellectual exercise. Yeah. Um, it, we've been wanting to provide, you know, a forum and a format. Uh, you know, for men to actually do this work of, you know, of healing themselves, of coming to terms, you know, with the challenge that um, Me Too, uh, you know, has put, uh, you know, in, in, in front of us. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when it comes to, you know, race and um, ethnicity, 
Um, you know, we we're definitely you know given giving thought to providing workshops that are specifically targeted, uh, you know, for for white men, uh, because obviously, <laughs> white male rage uh, is a thing yeah. uh, in, in this country, yeah. uh, and we need to be you know addressing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the other hand. Um, you know, certain kinds of conversations can only happen within certain kinds, you know, of, of, of groups. Yeah. Uh, and there is this phenomenon of like, well, you know, once you put even one white person in the mix, it, it kind of changes. Right. You know, um, you know, everything else. So uh, uh, there's definitely a need for affinity, you know, spaces um, so that. Can, can we say real quick what affinity spaces right. is in case someone doesn't know? Right. Uh, you know, an affinity space would be a space that's specifically dedicated to, you know, a certain kind of identity mm-hmm. uh, and exploring, you know, what that means for that particular identity. Right. So all the members of that particular group need to, you know, identify, you know, a- as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that creates um, a-, a safe space, if you will, although I'm a strong advocate of brave spaces. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that people don't feel um, self-conscious, yeah. you know, about yeah. expressing themselves uh, or, you know, or having certain ideas that, you know, you know, may be common, you know, to that particular, um, you know, yeah. I- identity. Um, and that can be really good, for instance, for, you know, for white people to be part of an affinity space where white people are unpacking their white privilege and all that, part, partly because it's. You're right. We need to be brave. But even in those spaces, when we mess up and we get called out, that's like it's like good. It's good hard work. Right. But I think that also part of the reason for that. And I know there's a lot of d- debate about about the value of affinity spaces. But the other reason for that is so that when we mess up, we aren't harming a, a, a person of color. Right. Or like, right. Like we're we're doing it with other white people who can like call us out and not be hurt right you know right I you know I'm a big fan of both and thinking as opposed to you know either yeah. or yeah um there there need to be integrated spaces there need to be separated you know um spaces uh, uh very often a challenge uh that you know uh men in the men's healing movement get is like well shouldn't you really be including women you know in the dialogue I mean isn't that the whole point <laughs> and it's kind of like no, no one is saying um, that uh, men's only spaces, are, you know, are the Girl, only girls have cooties, so. <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, no one's saying that's the only thing men, right. men should should be doing, right? Uh, but there is a lot to be said uh, for. Uh, you know, men, um, in addition to all the usual, you know, affinity advantages of, of affinity spaces, there's a lot to be said for men practicing vulnerability in front of each other. Yes. Uh, of learning to relate to each other in ways that are not, you know, competitive. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, in ways that are not, uh, you know, violent, uh, you know, in, in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to, I mean, it's obvious that men are hurting. If, yeah. yeah, I mean, the statistic is something like, I think, what, one out of every four women, uh, you know, can expect to be, you know, raped mm-hmm. uh, in the mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 just from that one statistic alone, it's obvious that something, you know, is not going right, yeah. you know, you know, w- w- with men. Yeah. Uh, because I, 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 my own belief is that most men, you know, very much want to have, uh, you know, deep, fulfilling, uh, mutually supportive relationships, uh, you know, with women. 
but then to have this other, this darker underbelly of, of sexual violence, you know, mm -hmm. going on is, is obviously indicating that something is not working, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, you know, men have to take responsibility uh, for that. Uh, and part of that healing process uh, of accountability, of responsibility, is, is men learning to get their relationships right with other men. Yes, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because, um, yeah, I think a lot of the violence and harassment that comes about is, um, yeah, obviously, you know, men not having other avenues or feeling like they don't have other avenues to express, you know, authentic power. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it ends up becoming, you know, demonstrating, you know, your your ego and your your power over, you know, uh, women, you know, as a way to recur, you know, uh, you know, recoup um, uh, self-esteem, mm -hmm. you know, that isn't right. getting fulfilled, you know, in, in, in proper ways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is deep, dark stuff. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the other the other piece of what what's so hard about it is that the while the the source of the violence, whether it's, you know, emotional, verbal, physical, you know, systemic, whatever, you know, whatever kind of violence we want to talk about, uh, institutional violence, whatever, the source of that is pain, is insecurity, is all this stuff that I, as a trained, you know, psychotherapist and human with empathy, want to really feel for men around those things. I do. I want to, want to care. I want to be emotionally supportive. But those things play out in a way that harms other people. Right to a much greater degree because of the power and the lack of self-awareness right. that comes with it, that's built into it. Right. Therefore, it's it's not, it's even though I've been trained by society to be, you know, understanding, mm. it actually doesn't behoove me anymore to be understanding. Right. Or maybe I need to, you know, it's also working on evolving to that place of being allowed to be angry and have boundaries and on some level, some compassion. I don't know. Right. But... So men really need to take up, take, take the, the reins for themselves and right. for each other right. to do this healing right. and stop asking us to do it for right. them. Right, right. <laughs> well, women have traditionally been asked to perform emotional labor. <laughs> and oh, I'm so good at it. I got I to tell you, I'm a real pro. You are. You are, literally. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't mind when I'm getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you're not getting paid all the time. No, right. No. So, um, yeah, men have to learn to perform their own emotional labor. Mm -hmm. um, and that that that's difficult to do. Right. I mean, I mean, it's when difficult. But yeah, when you really don't know how. Right. You don't know. What are these feelings? Right. <laughs> you don't even know that, you know, base level. Right. It's, I mean, People need, I mean, I I was given a base level of emotional awareness because of my gender. Right. And um, I don't know, and I'm still trying to figure myself out, you know? And, and so to not even have that, to have these, this whole other set of education around, uh, you know, the self. Right. It, I, 
I have to be more understanding, honestly. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, well, you know, understanding is one half of the equation. The other half is, you know, accountability. Right. You know? Right. And um, this is the thing. I, I believe that the um, closest synonym to the word power is uh, responsibility. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's critical. You know, the, the, the phrase that keeps popping up in these discussions is male vulnerability. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. I, you know, I have an interesting take on that because I think um, men are quite vulnerable and have been, and they actually do know how to show uh, vulnerability. Mm. The problem is, is that they do it in active, aggressive ways. Right. So the vulnerability gets shown in uh, these the various acting outs, you know, lashing out, um, becoming violent, you know, um, argumentative. Um, or or sh just shutting down. Yes, the uh, the opposite <laughs> tack. Yeah. You know, aggressive isolation. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, withdrawal. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, men have to become cognizant of the unconscious strategies that they take to express themselves or, or get their needs met. That needs to be brought into consciousness, uh, conscious awareness. Uh, so that men can begin to make different choices. Yeah. Uh, and then also they need to have um, spaces, uh, forums, uh, or, or just even just the uh, ability to um, experiment with yeah. making different kinds of choices. Uh, you know, because this is the thing. I, I think a lot of men um, feel like they're caught in catch-22s, you know, or, or, or double binds. Uh, you know, because I'm here to tell you, as as a man who is gender nonconforming uh, in in various ways, uh, this society doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. You know, when right. you try to be different, right? And and it's not just you know men who express their disapproval; it's it's women as well. So totally. on you know on the one hand, you know many w women want men to change and to behave differently and to be more understanding and emotionally available. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on the other hand, uh, there are many people in the society who look very askance, at, you know, at men who are trying to choose differently and be emotionally, you know, yeah. available and vulnerable and all that right. good stuff. Well, and even in myself, I've noticed like. <sighs> As much as I want that, when it actually happens, sometimes I'm thrown off by it. Right. And it's like, oh wait, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah. Right, and and it works the other way around too because, um, uh, quite right, rightfully and thankfully, many more women are coming into their own power and demonstrating that power. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of what you know men think. Yeah. Uh, and that throws men off. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I'm I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine throwing them off. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, and it's um <laughs> it's you know But I still want them to love me. It, well, it's it, well, you know, this is the thing. And I and I was just going to say, uh, this might be, you know, controversial for for some of your listeners, but you know, masculinity and femininity go go together. Yeah. You know, they they're um uh so And they're and they're not they don't depend on gender or sex. Exactly. Yeah, the, both of those elements are within every human being. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So when it comes to toxic masculinity, it, that for me brings up, well, what is toxic femininity? You know, what does that look like? Uh, for me, uh, you know, emotional enmeshment, mm -hmm. you know, is, is one of the expressions, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, of that. Um, 
Uh, but then also, um, well, I guess you could say, you know, passive aggressiveness, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's more just being kind of willfully passive, mm -hmm. you know, like not claiming your power when mm -hmm. you could be taking your power. Mm -hmm. um, that That's one uh, of the expressions of, of toxic femininity. Sort of like, well, you know, I, you know, I don't like men having all this power, but then I also don't want to have to challenge them on mm -hmm. that or take my own power, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. either. Uh, and again, the, you know, these are not, that, that's not, it's not, I, I'm not saying that only women, you know, do that, or that's just right, a, a right. female problem. It's really a human, you know, problem. Yeah. But again, you know, uh, toxic masculinity and, and toxic femininity are problems for all of us. Mm -hmm. Although those of us who, um, uh, th those of us who are the source of the problem, you know, have to take responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, for the problem. We have to, t yeah. And, and, and there isn't one it's like with intersectionality, it's like there's so many different ways that we are both, you know, victims and perpetrators. Exactly. And, things, and then, so. you know, uh, yeah. So, you know, sadly with, um, you know, when it comes to sexual abuse, you know, many people who are sexual abusers were sexually abused. Right. So, yeah. So that's very... Um, uh, uh, what what's truly frightening about you know abuse is that it creates victims who then become abusers yeah. and you know breaking that cycle right. is very um it's very difficult uh it just really taxes your resources you know to to the utmost yeah yeah well there's a lot more to say but we should take a song break and come back in a moment okay yeah um so you are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I'm here with Butterfly Williams. I'm really enjoying this conversation. We're going to listen to a song and come back and do a listener question as part of this being an advice show. We'll see what kind of what we can come up with for, for our question asker. But we're going to hear um, a song right now that's a... Uh, a band that I love, The Knife, doing a remix of an artist that I love, 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 Bjork. Um, her song features creatures. So this remix just came out, I think, last week. Um, and I really like it. I think I like it more than the original. Uh, you're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. Keep listening. BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever.
You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. I am your host, Lily Sloan, and I am here with Butterfly Williams. Hi. Hi, Lily. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. This conversation we've been having has been really rich and complex and fascinating so i appreciate that a lot yeah i'm so glad to be here yeah so we just heard uh the uh, uh bjork's features creatures uh as remixed recently by the knife um and and thank you so much for playing bjork <laughs> oh i got you i got you <laughs> I've, I've, I'm kind of known for it. <laughs> oh, great. It's like, oh, Lily can't do a playlist without having Bjork in there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm like, now someone... I feel like I have to prove that I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as someone who kind of creates, you know, weird offbeat music, I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> there yeah. are other people who have been, you know. Famous people. Yeah, who are, yeah. Do, who are doing this stuff. Millions so, yeah. of people listen to Bjork. I, I have to, I mean, sometimes I'm like, well, then is my weird music just not good enough? Right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. But also, there's a lot of people making amazing music that hardly anyone's ever heard of. Yeah, most of us are like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, actually, I'll just take this opportunity to remind everyone listening um, about our uh, our besties bash. Um, so when you become a monthly sustaining member of the radio station, because we are a community radio station, we support on or we depend on listener support, you become a bestie, which means you get like a super cool enamel pin in the mail that if you know what's good for you, you'll wear like on your jean jacket or put on your backpack or something. It's like it's like a it's our cool rock image. So it's a rock that has sunglasses on and headphones. It's listening to music. Wow. Um, it's really cool. But also, um, you know, you get access to uh, cool events we have going on and and our besties bash is open to everyone. We, you know, if you're a bestie, you get them for free. If you're not, we, we ask for donations at the door. But we, right here in the Secret Alley, we feature um, incredible shows with uh, really, really awesome, diverse musicians from around the Bay Area who are doing really cool work and are usually lesser known. And so we do that once a month. The 21st is going to be the next one. And it's what I also love about it is it's usually an afternoon show. So it's like 4 to 7 p.m., which is perfect for then getting dinner and (laughs) going to bed early. (laughs) 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 Um, So, uh, yeah, definitely check out the website, check out Facebook, the events on there. But it's happening every month. So. So let's dive into a listener question now. Okay. All right. Um, So somebody wrote in a question about work. Okay. This person says, I have a terrible job and a lot of money. I have enough money saved to be unemployed comfortably for three and a half years. I want to quit. I know I can afford to quit and I absolutely cannot do it. I don't know why, but I just can't do it. Part of it is a tiny amount of hope my job will get better. I also have no idea what work I want to do next, and typically my biggest problem is over-functioning, so I think that plays into not wanting to be without a job. Mm. Please help me quit my stupid-ass job. 
such a great question. I mean, do they want me to write the resignation letter? <laughs> Seriously. Like, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great question. Yeah. It's like, and, uh, you know, I want to acknowledge that it is a good problem to have in the sense that, like, there's no, ma- like, this is more okay, what's going on with me psychologically around this? And maybe, you know, collect like social, you know, on a social society level. But there aren't baseline issues of like, you know, food, shelter. Right. (laughs) Like water. But there is a baseline issue, though. And this may this may be a theme that's kind of run through our entire conversation. Yeah. Which is um, claiming one's power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's very interesting. This person is fairly privileged um, yeah. because they have the ability, you know, to uh, support themselves for three years, you know, yeah. you know, with, with, without a job. But um, this person is is held back by interior values mm-hmm. I, you know i think mm-hmm. around work mm-hmm. um certainly in, in in our society i mean um you're, you're expected to be working yep. <laughs> and, and that's and that and work is usually defined as receiving a, play, a paycheck from an employer right. uh, although there's much more awareness around entrepreneurship you know um the, these days but that's a very different paradigm from being an employee yeah and um and then and like and then also it, it, to not be an employee you have to be an entrepreneur instead of like an artist oh or, right you know, exactly or a or right. someone who's doing you know community work or right. something like that's that's not valid unless you're like you know developing a startup right something. right yeah. when well, it's not valid being an artist you know unless you're at the level bjork <laughs> right oh, she's so valid <laughs> she's so valid beyond valid yeah yeah so uh, yeah the whole the whole notion of what constitutes work you know what's designated you know as work uh, which is a very important feminist theme, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. of so much of women's labor, you know, doesn't get, right. Um, right. Uh, you know, uh, paid. Um, th- there's a lot of pressure to be, quote unquote, working, uh, you know, within a, you know, very narrow definition, you know, of what work means. Yeah. Uh, and so to um, step outside of that, especially if you don't have the grandmaster plan, you know, uh, worked out is a huge psychological challenge because because like your your identity your self-worth your your sense of being valid you're just jumping into the middle of the pacific ocean basically (laughs) like halfway between the u.s and japan right right um you know and and here's the thing it's sort of like Work seems to be disappearing in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, w- w- you know, what is IA and automation, mm-hmm. you know, going to do with a lot, you know, driverless cars. Mm-hmm. And you can already start going into McDonald's and, and you know, ordering from a machine, you know, rather than a, a you know, a, a person. Um, you know, what does that mean for the future, you know, of, of, of work? Um then there's the whole sort of, you know, critique of capitalism and what it's doing to the environment and, mm-hmm. you know, whether participating in industry mm-hmm. <laughs> is even going to be viable, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if we have no planet left. Right. I mean, this person could make their life's purpose 
being a prepper. Oh. Like a, so like a doomsday prepper. Oh, yes, yes. So if they quit their job, they could get to work building a bunker. Right, right. Um, I don't know. There's something about... Uh, this is a great problem because... Um, yeah, like knowing what to do with one's privilege. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you have three years to do whatever you wanted to do, you know, yeah. what would you do? Right. Yeah. And that's probably part of maybe. I mean, I wonder if it would help this person to do like. Well, first of all, they have to figure out if there's any barriers getting in the way to actually sitting down and doing some of that brainstorming. Right. Or maybe even seeing a therapist or a career coach or I mean, those are very different approaches. But to actually do some brainstorming about like what's important to you. Right. What are like like deep down values and like kind of working up from there. Right. And and what does it mean to not to to like what what do you what thoughts and beliefs accompany the idea of doing nothing right right how much of this is is really um how this person how how much this person has invested in what other people you know think about them Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know is definitely an era an area for investigation yeah but then also beyond just thinking about you know the internal world how about actually experimenting? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you go volunteer, you know, mm-hmm. for a nonprofit, you know, mm-hmm. or, or something like that, just to kind of test out, you know, what you think you might be um, interested in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think having some, you know, it could be good to have a plan around certain structured activities, you know, whether it's a commitment to a weekly shift at a nonprofit doing something or it's. And or it's signing up for a class. Exactly. Something that where like you actually do have at least a few things in the week that are scheduled. Right. Right. That get you outside of the house and with other people maybe. Right. Right. Uh, You know, I will say (laughs) I identify with this question a lot because I, yeah, some years back, about a dozen years back, I uh, did something very uncharacteristic of me, which was instead of having all my ducks lined up in a row which I knew was just going to guarantee me more of the, the, the same. Mm-hmm. I just quit my job. Mm-hmm. I got really... So you f- took all the ducks and you just like threw them into a pile. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I, I have to be honest, it's been, a, it's been a rough ride. Yeah. And much of it has been spent, you know, in and out of school yeah. uh, and all of that. Um, the only thing I have to say... Well, no, there's a lot of things <laughs> that, that can be said about it. A lot of good things can be said about it. Most, most of which is that I'm much, much happier... Yeah. You know, do, do, doing what I'm doing now. Um, and, you know, most of my life is actually, you know, devoted to, you know, the values I have, you yeah. know, around, you know, the, the black community, the LGBTQ uh, community, uh, the artistic uh, mm-hmm. um, um, community. Um, you know, much of this has been sponsored, you know, through student loans, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and, and what have I, I you. I hear that. Which is, which is a whole other, you yeah. know, um, uh, problem. Uh, but... You know, I'm I'm in I'm in a position to do what I really want to do with my life now, yeah. Uh, as opposed to you know having to earn the paycheck, yeah. You know all the time. Uh, this right. Is, yeah. This is um. You know, it, it, so many people have this problem of you know not being able to do what they really want to do. You know, mainly because of the financial constraints. Yeah. You know, around that. 
And it's kind of like, you know, I just want to ask, like, how did we get, you know, <laughs> to this point? How did we get into this problem? Uh, how, how is it that society isn't naturally designed mm. to promote what people want to do? Well, I don't know that society has ever really supported people in doing what they want to do. Right. It's just been different. And, and in, in many ways, more people, definitely not all people, but I think the the group of people that are able to follow their dreams more has expanded. Like right. for instance, uh, <laughs> as a white woman mm -hmm. of, you know, who grew up in sort of lower middle class uh, environment, you know, my parents couldn't pay for college or anything like mm. that. Um, I have a good amount of student loans, um, but I still feel like I, I grew up in an environment in, in society with society and in my family where there was a bit more encouragement and support around doing what I want to do as opposed to growing up in an environment where of course I was going to like work on the family farm for right. the rest of my life or be married off to whatever. And, and this is not, this is not the case for everyone. Like I, I have a ton of privilege that I have those things, but, but I think that it's, it, I do feel like we are, moving more and more away from uh you know hopefully moving more and more away from um certain class structures and you know uh other other divisions right you know around race and gender and sexuality and all of these divisions that have kept people tight in these like small spaces right but it's tricky and it's it's not <laughs> And it's still really um, sometimes those things are just more insidious because they're hidden, the rules. Right. You know, as opposed to being right. very clear. Right. Right. Um, I mean, just a quick comment on what you've just said about, you know, identity formations. It's so interesting to me that, you know, we have more and more mixed race people, uh, you know, certainly transgender people, mm -hmm. um, you know, have been coming to their own, uh, you know, in, in recent decades. Um, you know, bisexuality, you know, has always been there. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's more comfort these days with, with discussing that. It's just interesting to me that there are so many populations that are really kind of collapsing, <laughs> you know, our right. traditional uh, identity, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 notions. Yeah. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I'm struggling to how to really relate that back to the, the you know, the main question mm -hmm. here, you know, mm -hmm. around work. But well, I, guess, I guess the question is, is like, I mean, what 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 it feels connected to to me is with freedom, that that freedom in in and of itself can be a can can feel oppressive, right? Because of like choice paralysis, right? And I don't, I mean, the solution isn't to take away freedom, but the solution is to create our own systems of structure that are loose enough that it doesn't uh, hurt us, right? But are and that are also individualized, you know, right. in a way for right. the person. Right. Uh and again I want to relate this to, you know, claiming one's power and kind yeah. of moving away from social approval uh, and to a certain extent social support. Because I figure part of what might be holding this person back is um uh, 
work is a support system. Yes. You know, in a lot of ways. Like, I kind of want it. Right, exactly. <laughs> After having been self-employed for like right, six, totally. 10 years. Because you know, know what the deal is at work and there's a guaranteed, you know, social group there mm-hmm. that, you know, we as hum- humans are social beings and, you know, we need that regular contact. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with other people. E- even if it's kind of icky, at least you know what it is. Totally. <laughs> and, and you can relate yeah. to it in some, in, you know, in, in, you know, in some fashion. Yeah. But... You know, it's just it seems to me like we're living in a world where uh, the system as is can't possibly provide the solutions that are needed. Mm -hmm. And in order to get these solutions, you have to have creativity in order for that creativity to take effect. People have to be supported to kind of claim their own power to, you know, to pursue, you know, those innovations. Yeah. and I don't know that uh, I think there's more attention to creating the structures to support, you know, um, innovation, but there clearly needs to be more, you yeah. know, uh, of that kind of yeah. like uh, and I think it does relate to the, you know, the collapse of traditional identity formations and that um, more and more people are realizing that they have to take charge of their own destiny, both at the identity level of how they think about themselves and how they want other people to think about them, uh, but also at the level of work. You know, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, And then for many of us, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of artists are this way, you know, the identity questions and the work questions, you know, definitely intersect. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, talking about, you know, how your identity is evolving, you know, can be part of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 all of that, um, but yeah, it's kind of like, well, oh, you know, there, and then there's a whole other aspect of this. Yeah, well, and actually, you, you yeah. had been talking about this earlier. You know, the, what's your vision? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, teach. Oh, actually, this is really juicy because <laughs> it gets into my critique of science. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and all of that. Uh, very quickly, my my yeah. thoughts on that are that. Um, there's what I call the science of reaction, which is all about, you know, um, objectifying and measuring and reducing in, in order to, you know, control and, and predict. Mm. Uh, then there's what I call the science of transformation, mm. which is um, uh, teaching people how to, how to deal with um, choice, creativity, free will, free will uh, which entails, um, you know, vision and creativity. Yeah. Um, because it's, um, yeah, I, I believe the science rea- of, of reaction came out of a time when humanity was like the victim of nature mm-hmm. and needed to figure out how to control nature, you know, in order to, you know, propagate civilization. Yeah. Well, the th- the, we're now at the point where humanity is more of a threat. Uh, well, at least we think <laughs> humanity mm-hmm. is more of a threat to nature. You, you know, the, the nature is to uh, humanity. Mm. U- ultimately, nature really has the, the final say. Win, yeah, yeah. yeah. I but mean, nature's yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but but what i'm saying though yeah. is that we are um we've gone so far with the science of reaction that we we really have to switch to the science of transformation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know like how are we going to make creative choices uh you know that benefit you know society you know as a whole and you know how do we come to terms you know with our, our with, you know with our freedom um, and how do we take responsibility for our own vision uh, and then enacting that? Um, you know, and then uh, there, there's always going to be that tension between, you know, individualism and collectivism. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, you, you need to be able to, to, to sponsor and support individual choice. But then, you know, we don't want 
anti-sociality, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, festering. Mm-hmm. We, I'm sorry, we, we just can't have these young white men continuing to walk into Walmart, <laughs> you, no. you know, with automatic rifles, no. you know? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, we need, and we need infrastructure. Right. We need a society. Exactly. You know, that, that there's a reason why society is a thing. Right. I mean, I I feel like one one of the things that this kind of boils down to for me is that... And this person is saying, hey, I'm, I'm an overperformer, I'm, so I'm scared about not having, you know, work. And my, my feeling about that is, hey, this is juicy. Like, what about, you know, if you have, have the money, it sounds like, being, you know, if you're not already, being in therapy and working on what comes up for you around around that maybe put some structures in place you know whether it's your weekly therapy session a class a a volunteer thing have some structures to tether you right but then just like i think that we're so afraid of of losing control yes right yes we're so afraid of losing control we're so afraid that if we get depressed for a couple days that we'll never come back right we're and you know, we're and and sometimes I think that that terror of losing control actually prolongs the loss of control Absolutely. period yeah. and the kind of the kind of falling apart period right. because of all the panic about it. Right. And, and I I wonder if this person might because of their relationship to to their job and how hard it is to leave. Maybe that is a good indication that. If they leave, they might fall apart a little and that or a lot. And that that actually might be good for them. Yes, I was gonna <laughs> and say. Like, and and that it and and if you have the right supports in place, it it won't kill you. Right. You will you will be okay. It it will be hard. You will be okay, and it it's something maybe that you've been needing to face for a long time. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Sabra because it's the home of humanistic existential mm, psychology. Right. And you know people. They just don't want to deal with those existential realities. Right, right. I mean, it, our our whole society is built around you denying know, it, death yeah. denial, or you know, right. you know, at its simplest. But like, and 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 the manic defense right. being do 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 go go go. Right. Um, that's that's a defense against death, falling death, yeah. and falling apart, right. and, which is in itself a kind of death transformation. And, yeah. And it is scary. And I, I don't blame, I, I get, I engage in that too. Yeah. And then, and then eventually it kind of hits a breaking point where yeah. I can't anymore and I just have to fall it's apart. Just, right. It's so critical that we learn to how to deal with the unknown. Yeah. Uh, because uh, people don't want to deal with the unknown because it does bring up all those mortality issues well, because it, because the yeah, it could be Yeah, and it's anything. okay. It's okay to fall apart. It's okay to, you know, be messy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do have to manage your messiness and you do have to be responsible for the consequences of any sure. messy choices that would that that yeah. were made. But but you, you really hit the nail on the head there. You know, in, in terms of being um practical about this, I'd be like start journaling, you know, or something. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of therapy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so go talk with someone. Uh, Also start thinking, take real responsibility for your social life Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, take a look at the people around you and are they the kind of people who, uh, you know, are going to help you with your dream? Are they going to naysay? 
yeah. you know, you know, the dream. Yeah. And, you know, d do what you need to do in terms of getting people around you who will support you. Uh, join a support group, you know, mm -hmm. or start, you know, a, a support group. Um, start experimenting. Yeah. You, you just put the idea, put the crazy ideas out there and see how people react. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, okay. So I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, indigenous cultures and ancient cultures and, and all that, uh, particularly the ancient Egyptians. I, mm. I'm, I'm really big on them. Uh, they believed that... Um, speech was manifestation like language mm -hmm. is a spell mm -hmm. you know so you know the words that you put out as soon as you just even begin articulating the dream you know your your wild idea yeah. you're you really are setting it in motion mm -hmm. and um like many african cultures um ancient egyptian was oral uh-huh um, uh -huh. yeah. so it's it's all about uh, yeah, don't keep the dialogue just in your head, you know, externalized dialogue, you know, get it out there, you know, yeah. amongst your friends, you know, your family. Uh, and that's like, um, well, because most people are going to be really frightened of doing just even that. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> so, totally. So, so yeah. that is, um, that's actually a huge step. Yeah. Uh, you know, even before you even think about submitting the resignation letter totally. or, or anything like that, just start putting it into words and speak those words yeah you know just start with speaking the words out loud in your home <laughs> <laughs> no you can say to it the to mirror yourself. Yeah. yes yeah. But, but speak it out loud physicalize it mm. you know words are vibrations <laughs> you know it's it's your, your spoken words are vibrations you're you're actually interacting with the universe by doing just that one tiny thing by yourself mm -hmm. but then yeah you know take a bigger risk by discussing it you know with your your family take a bigger risk by discussing it with your you know with your friends and just see what happens yeah. and then look for well to go back to young you know look for synchronicities hmm. you know you just said oh you know, I want to travel to Bangladesh, you know, or, you know, or whatever. Then all of a sudden you're just seeing ads, you know, for Bangladesh, you know, um, you know, everywhere. Uh, look for what the universe is, is trying to how it's trying to support you. You know, uh, this is one of those corny things that I really uh, believe hmm. that the, the universe is a conspiracy uh, uh, trying to help you. Uh, wow, that's really nice because I'm more chaos theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I love chaos theory, th theory too. Both are useful. I mean, because I only use the universe when I'm like, it's against me. Right, exactly. You know, I need to be better at leaning on that for positive. That, that maybe for, it's if I'm gonna you. if I'm gonna use the magical thing. I, yeah, I really don't think I, I I believe that if a person is born here, that you know, they were meant to, to be here and they were meant to do mm -hmm. the, something. Mm -hmm. And then it, it does really become society's job to help that person figure out, you know, what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Um and of course there's two ways of doing that, both in the negative and the affirmative. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and everyone gets heaps of both of those. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um but yeah mindsets you know, it, it, it is important. Um, uh, my mom loved to say, you know, can't never could do anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and well, OK, uh, the, the guy that we have in the White House now has proven definitively that you can do whatever you want <laughs> and accomplish whatever you want. You know, if he can be president of the United States, anyone can. So um, he's such an inspiration. <laughs> really? He truly is. <laughs> so, um, oh. yeah, don't let. Um, well, and also, you know, 
the nature of universes change. Things do not stay the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you might stay the same, but the you know the universe around you. You know. Yeah. Well. I mean that, and that so, that's the thing about like if you fall apart, you'll. I do really. I I do really trust that people come back together again. Oh, they do. They fall apart. They come back together, especially when they have resources. Uh, human beings. I mean, just even looking at it biologically, you know, human beings are healing machines. Mm. I mean, your body will not let you just disintegrate. <laughs> I mean, there there are a lot of there are a lot of factors, mm -hmm. you know, there. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, you know, you can get cancer, you know, or whatever. But I mean, generally we do, speaking, we can die. Yeah, we do die. Right. But not necessarily right now. Right. And, and it's not, um, I mean, everyone eventually dies, but chances are it's not going to happen, you know, tomorrow. And we live, I mean, we're definitely up there in terms of length, lifespan of right. creatures. Oh, and, and we've greatly expanded, you know, yeah. our, our, you know our, our lifespan, you know, over the centuries. We sure have. So there's a lot to, um, yeah, well, it's so, you know, I'm glad we're getting onto the topic of positive thinking. <laughs> Yeah, because I find myself rebelling against that, you know, a yeah. lot, too, because, yeah. well, again, this is why I'm a fan of, of Jung, because, you know, uh, much of his work was around the shadow. Right. You know, and acknowledging that, you right. know, no one is perfect. You know, mm. everyone has their weird little things, um, you know, their, their, their dark side, you know, learning to accept that and integrate that, you know, is, is, is one of the great challenges. Uh, you've been talking about falling apart, which is. An essential factor, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I think to a lot of people's success, you know, actually, because um, you know, how can you, how can you really know who you are without falling apart? Right. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, life is a constant, like, um, kind of reevaluation, getting to know ourselves in new ways. Right. Even if it feels like the same old shit, it's right. like. Yeah, it, it's cycles. Right. It's regen you, you regeneration. Know, yeah, you can't know what the boundaries of your own personal self are unless you've kind of fallen apart. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of um, what I think this person can can get to by by making that space in their life. Yeah, and I I feel kind of excited and hopeful for them, but I also don't see like you know, sunshine and rainbows. Oh, yeah. Across the board. It's, people need to learn to accept all of life. It's both good and bad, you know, life I mean, you can dark. be, you can be pissed about it. Right. <laughs> but like, it's, but yeah, it's like the more that I'm like, oh, oh okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. And this brings up this whole notion of sort of like high vibration living, you know, and all of that, you know, this mm. is sort of a lot, a lot of talk in these new agey circles of, you know, always needing to raise the vibration. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of it's meaning like, you know, you need to feel the, the so-called good emotions, you uh, know. Fuck that. <laughs> oh, I'm all about, well, maybe that's why I really like like rumbling right like buzzy bass right exactly you know? it's like i'm yeah, like no too. i want to lower the vibration right exactly because <laughs> it, it's you know anger depression oh my favorite quote about depression is like well if you're depressed then maybe there's something down there you need to get oh that, i like that yeah you're, yeah you you drop something <laughs> exactly yeah, you drop something and in now that you well. need to go pick it up <laughs> uh we better take a song break um because it's that time but uh i hope that i hope that we helped this person a little bit yeah um, face face everything in 
that one go. Embrace it all. Embrace it all. <laughs> Embrace it all and let it go. Yeah. Um, definitely send an update. I love hearing people's updates. Oh, speaking of which, there is an update to something that I need to read after we listen to a song. Um, so we're going to listen to Confessions, a new single from Sudan Archives. Love this song. Um, you're listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. Best frequencies forever. From Cap Street to the world, this is BFF.FM. advice on bff.fm i am lily sloan and joining me here is butterfly williams musician artist activist uh psychology student just so many things (laughs) (laughs) you are so many things uh you are you are a prism trying to be 
I mean, it doesn't seem like you need to try. Yeah, well. Seems like you're right on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my dear. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about something that we were discussing before the show, which was around, you had said, oh, I'm kind of getting tired of what's going on with this identity politics stuff. And I'm really interested in your um, your feelings about that because I tend to be a strong defender of identity politics. Okay. Um, even though I don't know if I like the term identity politics because I feel like that is used to to, to I mean that's that's kind of the critic like that's right. used usually when it's as a criticism of it. Right. But I mean I think there is a lot of nuance there to this conversation, and so I'm curious what what you're noticing and right. seeing. Um, I think what gets me is sort of the, um, the, the sort of, uh, emotional sort of gotcha tone, uh, you know, mm-hmm. of a lot of the, the activism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, around so-called, um, identity politics. Uh, on the one hand, it's a given that people need to be respected and have the right to defend, you know, who they are. Yeah. On the other hand, just the whole notion of um, how Western society defines who people are, you know, is is problematic. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're going to shove you into these categories, which you may or may not even assent to. Right. right uh, and then yeah. we're going to expect you to behave, think and act, you know, according to, uh, you know, our expectations uh, of what that label is, mm-hmm. you know, that we've just, you know, put put on you. So and the 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 whole <laughs> the problem with identity politics is the problem with identity. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know when when you, when you think about um, how um, capitalism has always used divide and conquer to you know keep people controlled um, yeah. so that they can be you know exploited. Um, it's and then you just see that constantly playing out, not only between different identities, but most painfully within, you know, an identity, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. categorization, categorization. Yeah. Um, you see black people undermining each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, um, you know, gender activists, you know, get bogged down in um uh, infighting, mm-hmm. you know, based on uh, behavior, positioning, um, so, so many uh, different things. Um, it's sort of painful to watch, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with, say, um, you know, cisgender feminists and then mm-hmm. the, the transgender, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, community. Uh, and it just seems like they're that, that emotional undertow uh, you know of a lot of that uh is just very distressing and turns a lot of people off and is is one of the main factors i think in activist burnout yeah um i I wrote a long blog post um on emotional abuse Mm -hmm. you know within um uh activist communities and the main theme of that was that Postmodernism is just another form of neo-colonialism, meaning that, um, yeah, these identity formations that we have now uh, generally arose, the the contemporary ideas around those generally arose under colonialism, Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, the, 
European capitalist, you know, class, you know, needed to um, make sure that society was organized, you know, in a certain way, uh, and that everyone knew who had the power and who the enemy uh, was, uh, and our notions of race, you know, and gender, uh, and sexuality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come come out of that. Uh, and then um, uh, postmodernism was in some ways, uh, you know, a rebellion against that but in other ways just sort of reinforces it. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so there tends to be this fetishization of these identity notions, uh, even as, you know, you know, within the last decade or so, you know, we have seen, um, you know, the rise of transgender people, um, uh, you know, many more mixed race people and all of uh, all of that. Um, It's a very... um, Uh, how you go about ensuring uh, that people uh, can be safe, you know, within society, uh, while also not just boxing them in the same old stereotypes mm-hmm. is a very tricky, complex, and I think emotionally painful, yeah. uh, you know, um, issue. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is kind of the issue with labels, right? It's like, you know, like, for instance, diagnosing people with certain mental illnesses is like we've decided uh, we've decided what that means. Right. And we've decided what box to put that in on one hand and that that can be very um, limiting. Right. On the other hand, it can bring someone relief to know they're not alone, that there's kind of a category that this makes sense within, that there's treatment available, that insurance will cover that. Right. Right. And I feel like. I feel like identity is so important for community and kind of the issue of, well, we can't be colorblind until, you know, until racism isn't actually still a thing. Right. And then and then it does make sense that marginalized people need to, like, you know, be visible. Right. But I also understand how. It, may, maybe we've swung too far out of fear because I, I mean, my feeling is that the fear underlying the the fighting, the infighting right. and the outfighting is I am so terrified that the way that we're trying to solve this is going to make it worse or not going to get us anywhere or just recreate the same right. problems, which right. you're saying it kind of is. Right. But also like I finally have a chance to be seen and heard and I don't want that taken away from me right (sighs) exactly it's really it's really hard and i like so that's kind of why i kind of have tended on the side of like right you know what yeah i don't want because i i talk about uh you know in in that in that blog article um i talk about um you know this tendency to shame and wrong and guilt Mm -hmm. you know as being you know part of the problem um, so I don't want to say that um, people who feel comfortable, you, you know, with being, a, you know, one of the so-called social justice warriors mm-hmm. um, or um, and, and particularly, you know, with young people, you know, who are needing to form, you know, some kind of identity, uh, come to terms with whatever, you know, la- labels uh, are being thrown their, their way. Um I don't want to wrong, shame, or guilt those people mm-hmm. for doing what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, because it's all part of the process. Yeah. Um, I think what I would like to see, though, is people recognizing that it is a process, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that this is a flow. Yeah. Um, and I think being um, less attached to positions 
uh, you know, might be an advisable way, you know, of, 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 of doing that, of kind of holding these things as important, but also then holding them lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a lot of um, positionality, you know, I think is, um, it, it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. I mm. mean, the advantage is, you know, having a, some kind of perspective uh, on which to base. Yeah you know, your, your being and your discourse, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is necessary. On the other hand, you know, if it's, um, if it becomes hardened, if it becomes fetishized, if it becomes my way is uh, my way or the highway, then you've got a real problem. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're becoming part of what you were fighting against. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I mean, again, it kind of comes back to as well, like the issue of, like, I bump a, a, up against this a lot, you know, people being like, the only way forward is love and compassion. And I'm like, <laughs> but what about people who are abusing people? You right. know, like, what do we do? Like, you know, love and compassion, like, we can't just hug them out of abusing right, people. Right, right. And, you know, we shouldn't ask people who are hurting and being abused to be compassionate towards people who are their abusers. Right. So then when we scale that, right, right, when we try to scale that for like what's going on in in the larger discourse, I get so stuck. Right. Because I understand that people don't like that shame and like punishment isn't effective. I understand that. But I don't know what else yeah we this can is, do this is yeah this is the whole thing around you know the call out culture uh-huh um yeah. i mean and i think yeah and i i do think people should i mean i i think there is something natural about social you know of socialization that that people learn through being you know shunned in a way like there is something natural about that right I and I feel like I have gone through stages of change where I have been called out or I mean, I still get called out sometimes for things, you know, but like where I've been called out or I've been wrong and I felt very ashamed. Right. But I survived it. Right. And I was able to integrate it at right. some point. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely have been run through the ringer, you know, myself, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, a, a couple of times and. It's true what they say, you know, whatever doesn't kill you generally makes you stronger. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, but there's, but there's, some, there's some things that go on like online that I, I don't think are necessary, like that feel like unnecessary cruelty, even if the person in question is a t- right piece of garbage, you know, whatever. But it's also like, I mean, it, 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 like, is that actually call, calling, so, calling? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, calling something out is one particular strategy. Mm-hmm. And then I think it really behooves the activists to really figure out, you know, why they, they should be the one who calls something out. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the direct victim, you have absolutely every right, you know, uh, to do that. Yeah. But if you're not, you have to really think carefully uh, about, you know, why you're doing that. I mean, right. is it, um, you know, is it because this is your own issue or, or you have your own issues? You know, how conscious or unconscious, you know, are you of what actually is triggering you? Yeah, that's another yeah, are word. You, is this a moment to sweep in? Are you sweeping in and trying to be a savior? Right. Or are you supporting? You right. know, like, because some, there there are times, like, for instance, if, if I'm getting kind of 
harassed by men on the internet or something I I I really appreciate another man stepping in not because I'm a woman and I'm too weak but because that means that men are paying attention and learning right. and want to teach other men right exactly better. right which you know but I could see situations where someone would be like I didn't need to be saved right I can take care of myself right you know? and sometimes it seems like you know no good deed goes unpunished totally <laughs> But it is good to be conscious of our intentions and what what our needs right. are in the situation where we're trying to get out of it. I'm yeah. also, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, again, I, I'm a big fan of indigenous culture. You know, smudge yourself, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the idea of the circle, the idea of dream work, the idea of um, of yes, other entities, other beings, uh-huh. the, the spiritual world. Uh, the idea of um oh yes you know in african culture there's the idea of um the ancestors uh you know this world and then also the unborn you know Mm. the the, you know the future generations oh interesting being able to act including activism being able to act or conduct yourself out of a worldview that includes all of that stuff, mm. all, all those things that I've just named, the smudging, you know, the dream world, the, the you know, the cycle of generations, mm-hmm. you know, and all of that. You know, what, what can that world, how can that worldview be a resource, you know, for how we conduct ourselves, uh, you know, with other human beings, mm. uh, including and especially when something traumatic, you know, um, ha, ha, you know has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I uh, back when I was living in and working in, in New York, I, you know, the O.J. Simpson thing, you know, was going down, yeah. uh, you know, back in the 90s. And I was at a workplace where they had, um, I don't know, something came up, you know, about the uh, about the the, you know, the trial. And so this this group of women were just absolutely, you know. Um, kind of exultant that you know that it looked like OJ was you know get, was going to go down you know mm. f- you know for what he for what he had done, and certainly you know they had every right to be ha- happy that he was being held accountable, but the idea of being of celebrating it mm. was not what I was feeling about that because it's yeah. kind of like are you kidding this guy's life is a tragedy. I, I mean, he, you know, he was, you know, a superstar, you know, the epitome of, you know, masculinity and all that. Mm-hmm. But look what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just trashed himself. And, and then to get um, uh, to get to the to get to that point, you know, he had to have a certain mentality. Mm-hmm. So his life was obviously, you, you know, not as well put together as everyone thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know that many men, you know, have. I mean, they're not going around killing their wives, <laughs> generally speaking. But many men have, you know, similar, maybe one in four. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But um, um, it's a tragedy. Yeah. You know, I I did. I remember when Osama bin Laden was killed. I I think what I felt was like, yeah, I don't know what other choice they had but to kill him. Right. But I didn't feel it cheering. Right. And and that always was uncomfortable for me, like revenge fantasy. Right. Like, um, for instance, like Tarantino's movie, The Inglorious Bastards. I didn't even see it. But like this idea of getting like gleeful satisfaction out of 
torturing other human beings, even if they are terrible right. and did terrible things, like right. feels really scary to me. Um, and and just doesn't doesn't resonate for me. Well, I would say it didn't. <laughs> Right. Until 2016. And it's been a lot. It's been a lot um, harder. to. I mean, I still don't. I'm still not very comfortable with revenge. Right. Uh, unless it's like, I mean, little things that happen. I, like I I can laugh about like a, some, you know, horrible senator getting like kicked out of a restaurant or something like I can giggle about that. Like, right. What's the big deal? Right. I mean, I'm sure their lives are very stressful, but um right. They need to not be homophobic and racist and, like, <laughs> and, and you know, uh, anti-abortion right. and all of that. Right. But, um, but in bigger, like, I don't, and I have dreams where I'm trying to stab Donald Trump and I can't. Right. Like, they're, but they're very upsetting dreams. I'm not like, ha ha. Right. I'm like, ah, you know, right. well, I'm trying to stab him. And that kind of violence for me is, um, I think it's natural, but I think it's, it's, yeah, it's part of the shadow and it's something that we should pay attention to. But yeah, I'm not very comfortable with like getting in totally wrapped up in the mob mentality. There are plenty of people who have been, for instance, like called out in Me Too and all that who I'm like, yeah, I don't want to engage with their work anymore. I don't have respect for them. I'm done with them. Right. But the idea of like, doing a bunch of like revengey stuff right. doesn't feel like useful to we me. have such a big problem in this culture with um the um the the philosophy of um punishment well you know F- foucault was very big you know on on uh, describing how you know our society is structured around these ideas of um formal retribution mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. uh and so and of course this has had a huge impact on the on the black you know community i think f- some 40 percent of inmates you know are are black yeah uh, most of them men you yeah. know but but yeah. but not all of them um uh and, and it's sort of like yeah there have to be systems of accountability obviously we can't just let people run around committing crimes um but there's something wrong with the society though when um <laughs> You need to incarcerate millions of people. It's sort of like, you know, uh, what yeah. is, I mean, if the if the problem is that bad, then it's obviously not just individual thinking that's that's yeah. going in that. There's, there's obviously structures yeah. involved that are motivating, uh, you know, millions of people to engage, you know, in criminal behavior. So then, right. you, so then you have to think, well, how do we, re- how do we institute preventive, you know, um, strategies? Right. I mean, we have a much longer term project in raising raising people differently, raising men differently, supporting all kinds of communities better, also rooting out the institutionalized oppression. Right. And And, you know, I think part of what's going on, though, too, is like, you know, you look at incarceration and most of the people in jail are underprivileged right. and have, ha- have lacked resources. And uh, a lot of the people that are getting their punishment more on social media and, and in, you know, the news cycle are people with a lot of power who have don't go to jail. Right. And so that's it's kind of like understandable that people are taking it into their own hands because our system is not actually right. an effective justice system right. when millions of people are incarcerated 
who didn't get any support. Right. And a, a handful of powerful, you know, people have done so much damage and get right. no justice. Uh, this is know, why served. I sing in the song about, you know, I choose to choose a happy world for every boy and every girl. Mm. I mean, can you imagine if that was actually the, um, <laughs> you know, not the stated, but the actual, you know, mission of the ruling class, yeah. you know, in our society, yeah. things would be looking very, very different. No, I mean, what like, if I want the, a happy world for me? Yeah, exactly. And my and my family, you yeah. know, not, not yours. We're just going to build a border wall and, yeah. you know, keep all the riffraff out. Yeah. Um, what if the society actually had a constitutional stated commitment you know, to the health and well-being, you know, of every single citizen within it. You know, what's, you know, what would the world, you know, look like, you know, then? You know, mm. for some reason I'm thinking it about... It would be, it would be Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would smell bad and be too crowded. And the rides would be too expensive. Yeah. But... <laughs> Never how mind. Many, how many tickets? D- Disneyland's a dystopia. Right. Um, <laughs> but, um... I don't know, especially, you know, uh, the song is also about climate change. I, I, I honestly believe that, um, you know, the rapidly deteriorating environment is going to bring a lot of these issues, you know, to a head. Uh, it's just rapidly becoming clear that we just cannot continue to do things the way we've always done them. It's literally just not going to work. Yeah. I mean, food, housing. Uh, you know, clothing, you know, all of the basics, you know, are going to have to be, you know, rethought. Well, and I think the question is, do the resources and the power that exists go into protecting the most resourced and most powerful from those effects as long as possible? Right. While everyone else, which has been the case already, you know, while other people are, are dying and losing everything, or do we put those resources in that power into helping everybody right. and i'm i'm i don't know what's going to happen and i'm scared i think both are happening to some degree right but, but it's it never feels like enough so it's very scary right. right um yeah you gotta keep on dreaming you you gotta hold on to well you, you need both the utopian and the dystopian <laughs> visions right right um like, right, you strive for one while you're also aware that the other's a possibility right. that you that you want to push back against. Right. And and we do have to consider, you know, I, I think um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did did raise the issue of, you know, do we really need billionaires? <laughs> well, no, the answer is no. I put that on my dating profile and like I didn't get any dates, though. Oh, well. So I'm thinking like that's somehow a radical view, even though everyone I know holds that view. <laughs> right, right. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Maybe it was. Fun. Right. But um. Else. Yeah, social organization <laughs> and um, how, how we might, you know, rearrange things in ways that are more equitable. And you're saying like we all of us who, you know, who struggle with it in various ways, like our work is to to work on owning our own power. Right. Together and collective power. Right. Um. And realizing yeah. there's m- many different forms of power, many different ways of, of being. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to be the alpha male, you know, to yeah. demonstrate, you know, power. Yeah. A lot can be said for soft power, mm-hmm. indirect power, uh, the power that introverts, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, build, uh, you know, for themselves. It, it looks very different yeah. for, for different people. Well, and and I'm just thinking, too, that uh, there's there's a tremendous amount of of stuff that's out of our hands and, and the feelings of powerlessness that we have are legitimate and it builds on itself. So there's probably a certain amount of that, like that kind of really having to sit down and be like, wait, what? Cause it can, I can collapse into powerlessness right. and it's like, well, wait, what do I have an impact on? What, what can I, where can I affect change? Where am I not powerless? Because right. I think that the feeling of powerlessness in a lot of ways is psychological warfare that right. they're enacting upon us. I was just going yeah, yeah. to say, too, that there are many different sites for activism. Uh, activism is not necessarily, you know, sitting down in the streets, although thank God for my sisters who, uh, mm. uh, you know, are in Black Lives Matter and, yeah. you know, did some really great work, um, you know, around uh, police brutality. Yeah. Um, Activism can happen in your mind. It can happen in your emotions. Yeah. Um, it certainly can happen, you know, within the family. Um, there's lots of different locations for activism, you know, to be to be happening. There's lots of different areas. Uh, uh, some of them seen, some of them unseen. I'm protesting in my head all the time. Uh, Nonstop. And- there's so many signs in there. <laughs> <laughs> bouncing around <laughs> but um these you know the subtle realms are important sites you know i think yeah. for activism actually well and that's kind of where it any like bigger i shouldn't say bigger but other like external activism also has to originate from there and kind of right. there's a conversation between the inner exactly world and the outer world exactly yeah um certainly mm-hmm. a lot of people you know, think language, you know, is, is a great area for, for, you know, for activism. And it, and it is important, but you don't want it to stay there, you know, in words, personally. That, mm-hmm. that, that's what I, mm-hmm. I, I, I would urge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, getting, getting creative about where we think activism can happen is, is I think, you know, a good idea. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it looks, activism looks different on different people, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're kind of coming near to the end of the show, so there's there's a couple questions I want to ask you, uh, okay. and, and that sure. and wrapping things up sort of zone. But one of the things I like to ask people about is, so you've been in therapy, are you in therapy? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when did you first start? Oh, w- with the with the current person, it was back in two. 2012 the beginning oh, wow. it's been a long relationship yeah and did <laughs> when did, did when did you how old were you when you first went to therapy oh, in God. general oh oh first yeah uh, my first time around i think it was in my 20s okay struggling with a lot of work issues yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. similar to this uh yeah the, the questioner so i guess actually i mean you can you can go with your current therapy relationship or your very first therapy but i like to ask people if there's something you understand about the process now the process of therapy now that you didn't know going in to therapy uh what would that be like what's something oh, that you think you know, would would have been wow. hel- what, something that might have been helpful to oh. know um he healing uh, healing is a process it's not like 
you just go into therapy and, you know, this person is going to open your eyes, <laughs> you know, to the one grand insight that's going to change, you know, everything. I, you know, yeah, I think especially the first couple of times around, I was kind of expecting that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's funny because I hadn't really thought too much about this exact particular topic. But now that I'm thinking about it, um, yeah, healing is definitely not a one shot deal. Um and there's a way in which, um, you know, nothing's wrong with me. There, there's a way in which nothing is wrong with anyone. And, you know, everyone's just trying to d do their best. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, there, you know, there are full-blown psychotics out there. You know, we've got the, you know, the rapists and, and, and all of that, you know, out there. But um, healing, I think... A lot of that has to do with accepting your own limitations mm -hmm. and accepting the limitations of other people. Yeah, just some basic existential realities of like the world is not perfect. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, yeah, healing is about coming to terms with the brokenness of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's not... Um, it's not about it's it's not about the angels descending from heaven with the grand solution that fixes everything. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. I know there was someone I worked with for a long time who used to be like, I just want to hear the angels sing. And I'm like, I, I mean, I I don't I don't know. Maybe they will. Or or <laughs> maybe they are, darling. There's oh, yeah. Maybe they're, already <laughs> maybe they're already singing. Maybe they're already singing. And they're singing in a pitch that your ears can't either too high or too, too low, low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah. um i mean i think that's that's very that's something that yeah well oh. you know the um the thing about you know research on on therapy uh, there have been a number of studies that have uh, have said this uh which is that that there isn't one particular form of therapy that's like the most effective. Yeah. What What's most important is the actual relationship with the therapist. I tell people this all the time, and it's so <laughs> it's so telling because yeah. it's it's all about it's all about relationships. Yeah. It's all about that human connection. It, yep. That's what it's about, and and most people are in therapy because for whatever reason, you know, the connections aren't you know aren't happening. Yeah. Uh, you know the the way they wanted them, you know, yeah. to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, hey, if you're looking for a therapist, you know, shop around till you find one that that's that's reasonably tolerable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, talk to this person if you, more. Yeah, if yeah. you if you can connect with that person because yeah. that's it, it's the connection. Yeah, and it's not it, and it can't it's like it doesn't have to happen immediately that you're like, right. oh, I'm my heart is blown open." Right. And I'm ready and I love this person. I mean, it's a relationship. Of course it needs to develop. But if you feel comfortable enough, and you, you know, and there's nothing that's like really irking you. I mean, yeah, if you try like three people, don't right. don't overwhelm yourself. Just right. Try three people, see who feels comfortable. And I will say, yes, there is a need for more therapists of color. Um, uh -huh. There is such a thing as as black psychology and African centered psychology. Um, I have had to, you know, uh, I, I'm African American. I have had to educate, you know, my therapist, yeah. you know, who, who's white. Uh, they've all been white. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, I was specifically looking, 
you know, for therapists of color, but, you know, could, couldn't find them. Uh, but there are more and more people of color who are interested, you know, in therapy. There are more and more people of color who are becoming therapists. Yeah. And there's definitely a body of work out there. Uh, there's several excellent anthologies um, that are entirely devoted to black and African-centered psychology. Awesome. So, um, yeah, if you're a person of color, um, you know, it, it probably pays to educate yourself a little bit about, you know, um, the psychologies, you know, inherent to your particular, um, you know, identity. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I just feel, feel you know, duty and, bound to create some awareness and, around this. Issue. And if you're comfortable, I mean, I don't want to push you if you're not comfortable, but I, I think that if you're comfortable and you're shopping around for a therapist and you're like, Ugh, are they going to get me? You know, they're white. I'm, you know, a person of color. Like, are they going to get me? Um, well, A, there's th- some things they just won't get. But B, bring that up. Exactly. Like, if you can't bring that up in the initial phone call. Right. And if they get weird about it or they get, like, defensive about it or they try to convince you that they read a book about, you know, African-American experience and that they know everything now, like, then maybe don't see them. Right. You know, like, gauge what, what you're comfortable with. But if you name it, and I've had people come to me who are people of color who, like, named early on that that was something that they think about or sometimes I just ask if I mean if it feels right you know I'll be like hey you know I'm a white therapist you know do you if they bring up that some of some of the issues they want to talk about are around race like do you think that will be useful to you do you think it would be better for you to find somebody who is going to more identify with it you know and I've had people have very different responses to that right some people have actually wanted to see a white therapist because they felt less guilty unloading on me right which was like great um but then there reached a point in the therapy where they were like but I actually want to see somebody who who's been in this situation yeah the um uh, the Bay Area chapter of the Association of Black Psychologists is a good resource Mm. for people of African descent um Great there's a group know. called Psychosocial uh, that serves the um, Latinx uh, community. Okay. Uh, I definitely, uh, I unfortunately don't know the name, but there's definitely uh, at least one organization out there uh, for, you know, mental health issues amongst Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pacific Center for Human Growth out in Berkeley provides a lot of services for LGBTQ uh, community. So there are definitely resources out there, you know, for people with, uh, you know, uh, diverse identities. That's awesome. Um, I hadn't heard of a lot of those and I might email you about them to to get like Mm -hmm. the names. Um, All right. Final question. The treasure is buried somewhere in San Francisco or the Bay Area. What is the treasure and where is it buried? Okay. Um, There's an organization called the Bayview Association for Youth. Uh, which is in the Bayview. <laughs> and um, uh, I was I, I had been doing a, a youth project uh, 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 there, both with um, a- activists from the, the, the association and also some Stanford uh, graduate students. Um, and then I, it finally dawned on me that it, it's an old house, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it dawned on me that the living room I was standing in was the same living room that uh, James Baldwin w- was what? interviewed in uh, in this wonderful documentary called um, uh, Take This Hammer. That's so cool. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, you can find the, I, yeah, I'm, I hope I'm remembering the name of the documentary. I think it's called Take This Hammer. Uh, just uh, Hammer, James Baldwin, just Google it. Yeah. Uh, you can actually watch the entire documentary uh, online. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing because uh, KQED, all the way back in the early 60s, and, and uh, took uh, James Baldwin uh, on a ride through the black neighborhoods in San Francisco back oh, then. Nice. And it's so um, it's chillingly uh, prophetic in that it, it, it talks about all the same issues <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we right, still have right, today. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, black history yes. is is buried, uh, not buried, yeah. but living yeah. uh, and active at Bayview Association for Youth. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Where where should people find you on the internet? Um, uh, the the band can be found at Alokun Music, O L O K U N Music.com. My personal stuff can be found at Aruke.org. That's I R U K E.org. Um, thank you so much for having me yeah. on the show, Lily. Yeah, this was excellent. Um, and I will include those links in the show notes. Um, Please tune in next week to Radical Advice. Go to RadicalAdviceShow.com and submit your life questions. I'd love to have more. Uh, follow on Twitter at Radical underscore Advice. Uh, find Radical Advice on Facebook. Um, and uh, go to BFF.FM slash donate to make a one-time contribution or become a monthly sustaining member, become a bestie. Yeah. Okay. I guess I said all the things. So um, it's time to wrap up with a song. And I am excited to play um, one from a new project from Trevor Powers, who is the uh, the singer from um, Youth Lagoon. Um, this song is so... Oh, God, I lost it, though. Um, <laughs> I had it I had it on the uh, the playlist and then... And then I didn't. But uh, this, he put out a solo album last year, I guess, and I missed it. Um, but this song is the first one from the album. XTQ Idol is the song. The album is Mulberry Violence. And this is Tre Trevor Powers. You've been listening to Radical Advice on BFF.FM. Stay tuned for the life and times of the bourgeoisie. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday.